0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource.
1: It's obviously very important to check the foundation and its integrity. That's why we hire inspectors. But should we rely on our home inspection report to correctly identify the issues? Our guest today says no, it's not enough. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Well Show. In this episode, you'll hear from foundation repair expert Bob Brown, whose mission it is to shed light on what he describes as an opaque industry. Bob has more than 35 years of experience as a certified foundation repair specialist by NFRA, and he's lead accredited among other accreditations. He founded Arizona Foundation Solutions in 1989, which he says was one of the only foundation repair companies to use licensed professional. Engineers. Wow. Okay, we're going to learn a lot from Bob today, and I'm so happy to have him here on the Real Wealth Show. Bob, welcome to the Real Wealth Show.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: I haven't had too many contractors on to tell us what to look for, so I'm excited about this. I think we're going to do a whole series, but you specialize in foundations, and many of our investors are real estate investors who really just probably don't know anything about how to buy a house and inspect the foundation. They just probably read the inspection report. So let's start there. What should an investor look for in a, just a basic inspection report when it comes to the foundation?
0: Well, so home inspectors are not foundation repair experts. They might identify something or they might miss it. I teach uh, the Arizona Society of Home Inspectors every, every year. I'm a speaker at their annual convention. And I go through and educate them. Other parts of the country, I don't know if they get educated by a a foundation repair expert or not. You know, if they see a crack, if they see a crack, multiple cracks in walls or cracks in floors or sloping floors, or if they see doors that are pinched, like if you look on one side, you know, the the top of the door is like a gap, like an inch, and on the other side, it's pinching, it's on the other side, or windows can do the same thing. Those are uh, signs that home inspectors might see, uh, they might not see. And the problem in the real estate industry is that they'll usually, the home inspector will use up like eight of the 10 inspection days and then note that in the report. And then the the realtor calls in a panic and says, hey, there's two days left in my inspection window. Can you come out and do a foundation investigation? And it's like, that's uh, impossible. It cannot happen. Usually, you, they should be done by engineers and sealed, and it's just impossible.
1: Interesting. So if you're getting a home inspection, it may not be enough. You should also get a foundation inspection?
0: Well, one of two strategies I suggest. Uh, w- one is what you just suggested. Go ahead and find a, a, an independent foundation forensic engineer that specializes in, in foundation investigations and get them there right from the get-go because it can be done in 10 days or put a clause in your contract that says that if the home inspector points this out, you get an automatic 10 days in order to conduct the foundation investigation. I suggest one of those two strategies.
1: And why does it take 10 days?
0: Well, they're, they're quite a bit more involved. Uh, you have to go out and draw the floor plan of the house. You have to conduct a floor level survey, There's about 17 things. You have to go online and do quite a bit of research about the soils, precipitation, uh, maybe historical uh, aerial photos to kind of show what the past uses were. You know, sometimes a a river used to go through there or something, you know, and it takes quite a while to synthesize all of that and put it into a report. I developed some software to help engineers speed that time frame up, and it does, but I mean, even with that software, it's uh, it's a tough pull to get it done in 10 days.
1: Interesting. Well, when might you not need to have that extra inspection? I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in getting all the inspections because it gives you negotiating power. Doesn't mean sure. you're going to get a discount, but at least you can try. Uh, but right. uh, when do you say, oh, you know, I probably don't need this one, it, like if there's no cracks or if it's fairly new?
0: Yeah, you know... It, I often tell people that they would call me, uh, regularly and say, Hey, I got this one crack, you know, and I, I would never get excited about one crack, you know, (laughs) uh, unless it's really big or something, you know, like if it's really wide, you know, or something like that. But you know, one, one crack doesn't necessarily excite me too much, especially a crack in the floor cracks in the floors uh all concrete cracks you know if it hasn't cracked it's gonna crack uh because concrete's a a brittle product and it tends to shrink and when it shrinks it cracks and so I, i don't get excited about floor cracks very much uh the garage i don't worry about the garage too much because the garage is not temperature controlled right unless you have an air conditioner in the garage which is pretty rare then uh Almost every garage ceiling has a crack going right down the middle. Every one, whether there's foundation problems or not. Uh, So I I don't get excited about that kind of stuff. Stucco cracks quite a bit for a lot of reasons. Could be foundation reasons, but could be just thermal movement. You know, the outside is subject to heat and cold. Uh, They might have laughed it wrong. The the paper behind the wire might have been lapped wrong, and that causes cracks. So uh, stucco can crack for a lot of reasons. I, I, I don't get excited if there's only cracks in the stucco and nothing else, right?
1: So what does excite you then? What do, what do we need to be looking for?
0: Yeah, so <laughs> so, so uh, if you have uh, cracks in the drywall, the drywall area is typically temperature controlled. And if you have multiple cracks in the drywall, that's a good sign uh, a really good sign is if you have a doorway that is pinched or a window that is pinched. And if you have sloping floors, those are pretty good indications. And especially if you have a group of them together, uh, then you start to get pointed to a pattern. And that's what we look for in foundation repair is patterns. Because what you're trying to understand is how is the foundation moving as a result of soil interaction with the foundation? And, so, and soil interaction can be settlement, like if you have gravels and, and, and sands and coarse soils, and they get wet, they can consolidate and settle, and the house can go down. But on the other hand, if you have clays, it could go either way. That's the funny thing about clays. Uh, clays, when they get wet, they swell, and when they get dry, they shrink up. And so you can have a cycling pattern, and you can either have settlement or what we call heave, which pushes the house up. And so you want, to understand, you want to understand all of these soils and how they work and what, what's going on and what's happening with the water uh, in order to understand the movement, to make sure you understand whether it's heaving or there's settling.
1: That's why you want a local specialist, because they would know what's going on in the right. area. I mean, Texas is notorious for right. that because of the clay ground. It gets hot, then it gets rainy.
0: That's right. Texas is ground zero. That's right. And and Colorado is uh, very similar in some respects uh, to that. And the Carolinas are are another kind of hotspot. But uh, it can happen pretty much anywhere. And uh, the mistake that most people make, realtors included, is that they call a foundation repair company instead of an engineer. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem because uh, what happens is the, the foundation repair company sends out a a salesman who is paid by 100% commission. And he doesn't really make any money doing the investigation. He makes money if he finds a project where he can sell lots of peers and and, and make money that way. Mm -hmm. And so quite often what happens is a realtor will contact a foundation repair company who will send out a salesman. And whether it really needs it or not, he's going to recommend... You know, thirty, fifty thousand dollars worth of repairs, and then that sort of blows up the listing. Everything falls apart, and it it might need that, or it might not. But you don't really know for sure, unless you have a, uh, an unbiased, uh, objective, uh, licensed professional who is trained and has you know a degree and and, and has passed very difficult exams and has done an apprenticeship and is really understands soils and and structural load paths and all that kind of stuff
1: so a structural engineer is who you want
0: i would recommend a a licensed independent foundation repair engineer now there's not very many of those around. i
1: was just going to say where you get one of those
0: (laughs) there's a few around that you know in texas there's a few uh and, and 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 in arizona there's a few they're harder to find they're not good at marketing like foundation repair companies. and They're really easy to find. You just hop on Google and do a quick search and man, you know, uh, everything pops up. You know, it's harder to find, a, you know, a, 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 an independent foundation repair engineer. And the reason I use those terms is because most people call a structural engineer. Most of the action that's going on is in the soil. And that's a geotechnical engineer. A foundation repair engineer needs to have a little of both. And he needs to be independent. He can't be one of those engineers that works for home builders all the time because those guys make a living telling people that no matter how bad it is, it's not a problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that may not be the right, that may not be the right advice.
1: Well, we're kind of seeing that in California. I don't know if it's the same thing, but I don't know if you heard about the rolling Hills homes that have just collapsed and are falling down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are, uh, those are uh, the global slope stability problems where the whole slope slides down, and, and what happens is there's a gentle slope or sometimes a little steeper one, and underneath that layer there's a there's a clay layer that starts out sort of vertical and then rounds out, and the the, the, the water can get into that right above the clay layer that's just very very slippery, and if it inundates that whole surface, then the whole thing
1: just slides. Hmm. It's it's so sad if you. If y'all yeah. haven't, uh, yeah, I saw those pictures. It was horrible. Oh yeah, Rolling Hills and Paulus Faradays, and I don't believe that their insurance covers that, which is just tragic.
0: Yeah, well, almost all insurance policies have what they call an earth movement exclusion, and I, I think it's frankly kind of a ripoff, but that's the way the industry works. And you're right; uh, it's very difficult to get any any kind of claims on a house repaired as a result of soil movement.
1: Ooh, Yeah, that's rough. That's very sad. Okay. So coming back to foundations. And like you said, Texas, we have a lot of people who invest in Texas, myself included. We have a a rental fund there. We work at the local property management company. They're like, oh yeah, I mean, pretty much every house in Texas is going to have foundation issues, but we know how to repair it. Pretty much.
0: I'm a member of the Foundation Repair Association, the National Foundation Repair Association, which is headquartered in Texas. So I go there every year for the meetings and I understand how Texas and all, I know a lot of the contractors there. I know a lot of the engineers there. I understand the whole, the whole deal there. And by the way, just as a side note, I'm an investor as well. I have 10 rental houses. So I understand the investor point of view.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's, that's wonderful to know. So I, I believe the way that you prevent some of these issues, especially in Texas is keeping the ground wet or moist at least.
0: That's right. And it's the opposite in Arizona. In Arizona, you do everything possible to keep it dry. And and the reason is, is because what you want to do is create soil moisture conditions that are similar to what's been going on for the last several hundred thousand years. Mm. And Texas has been wet for a long, long time. And you put a house on it and it starts to dry out. Then you have problems from those clays shrinking and you have settlement. In Arizona, it's been dry for, you know, eons. Uh, you put a house on it and what happens is it rains. You have poor drainage. The water soaks underneath the house and starts swelling the clays and heaving the houses up. So you get the opposite problem. What? Yeah. It, that can happen a little bit in San Antonio too because it's a little drier.
1: Mm. So you want to make sure that you've got plenty of good drainage systems in in those areas.
0: Yeah, in Arizona, like I said, in you know, if you're in Houston, you know, you want to put that soaker with the timer around the house, right?
1: <laughs> oh, this is so fascinating. Wow. I I love it. All right, well, I I do want to get back to your personal investing story and how you started. I just loved hearing about your story, rags to riches, your first car. Let's talk about
0: that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the Chevy Love. So, you know, when I was going to college, I had nothing. I had to work my way through college. So I went to an auction and bought a Chevy Love and sat there in the auction. And they started it up and a plume of smoke went about 100 feet in the air. And I thought, well, hey, for 600 bucks, you know, I can buy it. I can throw an engine in for 600 bucks. And I got myself a good work truck. And so I'm driving it home and it's smoking like crazy. And I thought, well, it's driving, you know. So why don't I just keep driving it until the engine goes, and then I'll replace it. I drove that truck for two years before the engine finally went out. I probably polluted the planet doing it. Uh, But uh, uh, I would start off at an intersection. I'd fill it up full of bags of cement, and it would be like this, you know. And uh, everybody would leave, and I'd be in the intersection creating lots of smoke and lots of noise and going hardly anywhere anywhere. And uh, did that for a long time. The only way I could keep it from overheating was to turn the heater on full blast when it was like 120 outside, you know. Oh,
1: that's uh, awful. And, yeah. And the predicament really came because your parents had actually uh, lost money in real estate in the 70s. Tell, tell me about that. A lot of people don't remember what happened yeah. in the 70s or weren't around. Yeah,
0: dur- dur- during the Jimmy Carter year. So uh, my dad was uh, building houses in uh, – uh, kind of rural Arizona and got stuck uh, as interest rates went all the way up to 18% and wiped him out. And so basically, you know, I, I wanted to go to school uh, and move to Phoenix and didn't have any money. So I just kind of had to work my way through. That's just the way it was. I, I actually uh, actually built a set of fourplexes my senior year for a developer. I found the land. I I built the plans. I, I hired the contractors and leased it up all in one deal.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I Again, I love these rags to riches stories. So did your parents ever recover after that? Nah, not
0: really. No, I mean, uh, my dad got his house foreclosed and uh, he, he was in his 60s and he was kind of out of energy and he worked for me for a while, helping me with my little construction business, but he never really recovered financially from
1: it. Oh, it's very sad. Uh, at the time, what what caused the interest rates to go up so quickly? And I guess inflation. But do you do you remember what caused it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I I I generally recall because I I, I was you know kind of uh, before I was twenty or rightly around there, and there was the gap. There was the uh, uh, the Arab oil embargo. Mm-hmm. And so that caused fuel prices to go crazy. And there was all these lines of people trying to fill up gasoline. And, and uh, you know, when fuel goes up, then transportation costs go up. And then that everything that you're transporting goes up, right? And so that just caused huge inflation. And they tried several times to deal with inflation kind of half-heartedly. And uh, eventually, I think it was Paul Volcker who came along and said, you know, I'm going to clamp this thing down. I'm going to raise interest rates. You know, I'm going to nail this inflation once and for all. And uh, that was the what caused the interest rates to go up. He was just, you know, and he, he eventually tamed inflation, but it was very painful in the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you, you just had to go out and find your way. And it sounds like you did. How did you end up investing in, in I assume, long-term rental property?
0: Yeah. So uh, it was kind of interesting. My first one, I, uh, I, I lived in a neighborhood house and I noticed that the alley in back of me, uh, there was a lot of uh, mountain bell trucks coming and going from it. And at the time I needed more room for my trucks because I was doing concrete repairs. And so I called up mountain bell and I said, Hey, can I use like the enclosed carport or the backyard since you guys aren't using it? Can I rent that from you to, you know, park my trucks? And they said, eh, no, because we're selling the house. And I said, oh, well, how much are you selling it for? And they said, uh, $13,000. And I said, oh, OK, I'll buy it <laughs> now. <laughs> granted, uh, it didn't have any walls inside the house. It didn't even have any plumbing under the floor. This was a this was a substation disguised to look like a house. <laughs> so wow. I had to like trench the concrete out, put plumbing in, you know. Design I, I designed it. It was a small house. I designed it as a one bedroom rental with an office in the back for me through a double locking door on both sides. And I I stayed there for I don't know five six years until I outgrew it, and that was my first rental house.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. Now you have 10, are they all in Arizona?
0: Yes. They're all in the Phoenix general area.
1: Oh, so it's been a good decade for you.
0: Many decades. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Many decades. Yeah. It's, it's always fun for, you know, new investors to hear from people who have owned property for a long time and um, you know, how that's worked out. Has it helped you with your lifestyle uh, with your retirement plans?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Most of my, uh, my biggest problem right now: most of my rental properties are almost all paid off, and so my money's not working very hard for me, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't exactly want to refinance right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of money when I sold my my foundation repair business uh, last December, so you know I'm fine. What was interesting, that it, though, is that I have just as much wealth uh, that I've saved up and invested in real estate over the years as I did, you know, getting selling my company. So. It wasn't a huge, you know. Uh, it, it didn't create a lot of panic in me. Like, oh, if this fails, I'm going to be, you know, you know, all washed up. Yeah, it didn't matter that much. It, it kind of helped me deal with it a little more calmly.
1: Oh, uh, oh, like if the sale didn't go through, right? Yeah, yeah you have the backup plan or
0: whatever, right? Because mm-hmm. these things are high-stake games, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, good for you on selling your business. Thank you, and having the backup plan of real estate if it if it right. didn't go the way. You expect? Yeah, no, it absolutely is. They tear through your books and they negotiate and they're good at it. They're business people, right? Right. Trying to buy your business. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Well, it's really been a pleasure. How can people find out more about uh, all the, all the information you have to help them with foundation issues?
0: So, so I have a book that's being published uh, in September called foundation repair secrets. And uh, there's a website to that same name and a blog. I have a blog on there and, uh, uh, the book is probably a really good way for people to understand. It's not a long book. I think it's like 150 pages, a lot of, lot of diagrams. I drew those myself. And it's a good way for people to understand soils and foundations and, and why you would want to contact an engineer and not a, not a foundation repair company. What I did with my foundation repair company is I actually started an engineering company also. And I operated them together and I let the engineering company handled the diagnosis, and I let the foundation repair company do the repairs. And I, I've advocated that for a long time. Uh, I That's what I talk about in my book, why it's so important. And I hope that someday I can make a difference in changing the the industry and make it a better place for people so that uh, uh, it's a little more transparent, a little more accountable.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I've had uh, two properties I bought with, I knew, you know, you could tell when, when the floors right. aren't even, you know, there's an issue. Uh, and you know, d- d- you just have to add it up in the, in the price or the discount that you get, you, you know, but right. so I'm don't, you don't have to be afraid of it. It's, it's what can help you get a discount on a house and, Correct. and there are ways to repair it. And sometimes there's not right. So you need to know.
0: Well, I mean, almost everything can be repairable for a price, right? But yeah. this may not be worth it, right?
1: It may not be worth it. Yes, that's right. Okay, Bob. Well, thank you so much for joining me here on the Real Well Show. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Thank you. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If there's other topics you'd like to learn more about, just reach out to us at hello at realwealth.com. And if you haven't already looked for yourself, if you go to realwealthshow.com, you'll see we already have thousands of webinars that are free for you when you join and is free to join at realwealthshow.com. You just click on the learn tab and you'll get lots and lots of information that you have to pay a lot of money for elsewhere but it's our mission to raise the wealth consciousness of our listeners, and that's why we do it. So again, check it out at realwealthshow.com. I'm Kathy Petke, and thanks so much for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities Or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.